Hello there, this is Godswill Ezonyeka with a thought to challenge your normal. You see, rather than take life at face value, I believe you could live much better if you based your decisions on careful analytical thoughts. So welcome to the Thinker's Table. This is the Now Think Podcast. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the Now Think Podcast. It's good to have you again. And I'm so blessed that you decided to click this podcast and listen to this very episode. It's always a privilege and I am just honored that you decided to have this conversation with me. Um, before we go on to the exact topic that we'll be talking about today, I want to take a break and you know take stock of what we're doing here. So in the Now Think podcast, I like to think that this is not a set of conversations where I tell you what to do and then you go ahead and do that. However, my intention is to make you think and not to tell you what to think. By that, I mean that I'm bringing up topics and ideas and perspectives that I hope would inspire you to think and then decide what it is that you believe. So my topics are very specific to ideas and the way I see things. So you can tell from the way I speak about these things that it is very much inclined in my thought processes and my personality and my experience of this world in general. So I expect that when you listen to what I have to say, that you would have this conversation in your mind between what I'm saying and what you are experiencing. And then also be critical enough to decide what stands to be true. Now, that being said, a very important disclaimer to make is since a lot of these conversations are built from my own personal thought and personal perspective, it's inevitable that some of my bias in life are going to seep through. So I'm not necessarily taking an objective stance to everything I say. Um, I'm trying to do that, but also I have certain biases. For instance, I am a Christian. And anybody that has met me and spoken to me would discover that quite quickly. I'm very vocal about it. And I am really, really excited to share my faith with anyone that is willing to listen. Now, this is not particularly a Christian podcast. But as we go through some of these thoughts, a lot of my perception and perspectives is going to be informed by my faith in Jesus and the Bible. So I'm saying this to say that I want you to critically engage with what I'm saying. And I hope that you don't dismiss it just because it sounds like something Christian. That being said, I hope we have an understanding because I really, 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 really hope that in sharing the kind of topics that I do, you will have the opportunity to think about things that you weren't necessarily actively thinking about in the moment and thus come up with well-thought-out conclusions that you can at least know are true to who you are and true to who you want to be. All right? Okay. Now, to start off today's topic, I think life is like an analogy I heard some time ago. In fact, to be more specific, when I was a kid. So the story goes that um, nine blind men went out to go see what an elephant looks like. Obviously, since they are blind, they were led to the spot. And when they got to the elephant, they used their hands and felt on the elephant to tell what the elephant was. And after they spent some time there, on their way back home, they started arguing about what an elephant feels like or what an elephant must look like. The first blind man would say something in the sense that, oh, the place I touched felt like a rope. So 
uh, elephants must be like a snake or a rope or something like that. Another person said, oh, the place I touched felt like a wall. So an elephant must be like a rock. Now, anybody listening to this analogy can tell the parts of the elephant that they were touching, right? Because we can see an elephant. But the interesting thing to pick out of it that I think we can learn a lot from is the difference between us and the blind men is that we have a higher level of perspective. Now, what they felt was true. However, it was not all of the truth. And this is my point. Truth is never exhaustive. So as much as what you see in the moment is true, as much as what you know in the moment is true, if you were to zoom in closer, if you were to get more information, you'd find out that it is not the whole truth. And I think that this is a failing of the human nature because we do not have all the information that is consistently acting on us. For instance, it is true of you to say that you are listening to this podcast, which I'm very grateful for. But also, it's also true to note that there's a lot still happening. There's the platform you're listening to it on. There's the algorithm that brought it around to you. There's the human connections that made it possible that you got this link. There's the fact that I recorded this days before you listened to it, you know. There's all sorts of information acting on us per time that we are not aware of. And all of this information are parts of the truth. So per time, every human being only has certain perspectives of the truth. Okay, I'm going to give one more example. Say, for instance, we consider a, a crime story, yeah, where we have somebody killing another person. Now, with this information, we can easily say killing is bad. That was a terrible thing to happen, right? But if we zoom in on the story and found out that the criminal is a little girl of, say, 15 years, and the victim is a 40-year-old man, the moment we bring in that information, the, the perspective on this truth changes because a lot of questions pops up. Like, how could a 15-year-old girl kill a 40-year-old man? And considering the times that we're in, most likely would say maybe the 40-year-old man was abusing her. And then that crime of murder changes perspective a little bit. And we kind of begin to find that this interesting new perspective brings us to a place where we can condone the crime. But if we zoom in closer and we find out that this 15-year-old girl is actually an assassin and this 40-year-old man was doing nothing, changes the story again. The thing is, if we keep on zooming in and zooming in, this story can take different forms that is not necessarily different from the initial point of view, which is a person killed another person. But with increasing perspective, the truth becomes more and more evident and it really does affect the reaction that we have, right? Now, to accept that we don't have access to the entire truth is a really wise place to be in. This allows us to be able to listen to other people and to accept knowledge, which is fundamentally the purpose of learning. Now, if I may introduce the Christian claim in this context, we believe that we have a God that is not only aware of the entire truth, but is in fact truth himself. That means to accept this would mean that we default to God's judgment as to what is right and wrong because he knows what is true and what is completely true. Now, with the benefit of knowing the entire story, we as Christians believe that God knows the end 
from the beginning. And we'll get into this later in the podcast. But what that makes us understand that we can trust in God's decisions. We can trust in God's ability to make things go the way they should go in the first place. Now, based on this argument, many people have these two fundamental questions that I'm going to attempt to answer. The first one is, if there's a God, why would bad things happen, right? And then the second one is, do humans have a say in how the world goes if there's a God in control of everything? So this would imply that as humans, we really don't have free will. But to answer both of these questions, I think we need to first explore an interesting perspective on the concept of glory. Now, glory is a word that I feel is very popular in culture, but it's also very popular in religious circles. So I don't argue that the knowledge we have on glory currently is wrong. No, I think it's quite true. However, I don't think it's exhaustive. So glory in the current understanding is known to be public praise, fame, or honor given to someone, something, or God. In this place, I'm paraphrasing the Merriam-Webster dictionary. But for this particular conversation, I would like to interest you in looking at glory from the perspective of design. Now, imagine with me when you buy a new product, right? When you take the product out of the box, just looking at the product, one of the things that we can all agree to is that that product was designed. An intelligent mind put it together. It might be one intelligent mind or many intelligent mind, but there's a designer and the designer has made that product to certain dimensions, to certain feel with certain products to do a certain function. But the interesting thing is that not only does the product come in the package, you get all these other documents that come with the product. And two important documents that we should take note of in this conversation is first, a document that teaches you how to use the product. That means the designers are saying, yes, this product is designed to be efficient and solve this particular problem. However, it needs to be used in a certain way for it to be maximized. Did you get that? So if, for instance, you ignore to read that document, you could use that product and it might solve the problem, but you will never use that product to the maximum capacity until you know exactly what the designer had in mind. The second document I want to take note of is a document called the warranty. Now, that warranty is basically the manufacturer's stamp of quality saying to you specifically, if you use this product as it was designed to be used, if you use it properly, it is going to deliver this solution for this amount of time without fail. So that is a stamp of quality. It is the designer, the manufacturer saying, this is my work. If it is used properly, it will work perfectly according to my reputation. So this is what I think glory is. The result of having a product do what the designer designed it to do efficiently and maximally. So by that, in simpler terms, I mean when a product or when a design has its full expression according to the intention of the designer, then the designer gets glory. In essence, when the product is used correctly and it brings the results that the designer had an intention for, the designer gets glory. Did you get that? Good. Now, if we look at the Bible, there's a very interesting parallel to this. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 1, it says in the beginning there was God, right? 
And then God starts speaking things into being. It's basically called the creation story. And God is creating the earth. But it seems to me that the writers take effort to emphasize the fact that after God creates a thing, he takes a moment to look at it, to see that his intention is met. And at every point in the verse, if you read that, you will hear the writer say that God looked at it and saw that it was good. So God makes a product. He looks at it to function in the way he designed it to. And when he does that, he says, this is good. So in effect, God was creating a design that we now call earth and was getting glory from it because it played out the way he designed it to be. The question now would be, in our current day, why doesn't the design play out automatically? And why do we have instances of a lot of things that go wrong? Let's take it back to the analogy of the manufacturer, right? Remember the second document I talked about, which is the warranty. The warranty states that if you use the product correctly, then you can base it on the credibility of the manufacturer if that product does not work correctly. In fact, most companies would say you can return it and get a new one. That means for you to credit something to God's glory or God's handwork, you would have to have let the product operate as it was designed to operate. The problem here is that when you introduce humans into the story and humans being an agent of free will, if we don't use the product according to design, there is no way we can acknowledge the results we get back to the creator. Now, I know that this seems like a lot to put into context, but what I'm basically saying is God created a perfect product. Humans have the opportunity to use it as he designed it to be or use it as we want to use it. Depending on what we choose, we are going to get very, very different results. Now, to further push this in understanding what glory is, I want to introduce another analogy, and that is one of making a movie, right? When you watch any movie, Despite seeing actors on screen, you are actually watching the mindset of the director and the story of a scriptwriter. These two people, most times you never see them. However, through the actors and through the storyline and the plot and the cuts, you can tell what the director had in mind. I think and I believe that glory operates like this. So, in this context, I would say glory is credit right? If the actors were to ignore the script that they were given and refuse to obey any of the instructions of the director, it would be grossly incorrect to write the name of the director at the end of the movie. However, if these same actors were to follow exactly all the instructions they were given and the script, then at the end of the movie, you must put the name of the director. This analogy, why I love it so much, is because these are the two fundamental elements of what glory is and how glory is produced. In the context that God only gets the glory when the actors, which is us as humans, follow his mindset and then make the effort to credit him accordingly at the end. So taking it to a more human and relatable instance, we can say that to give God the glory is to lose your hold on how your life will play out and to consistently acknowledge that it is God's design and God's life and God's power that is making you live the way you do. So it is 
in the one hand, acknowledging God by seeking and living according to his precepts and then making it known publicly that this is what you're doing. This kind of concept is very Christian, yes, I know, and it may even seem trivial to you, right? Like God is trying to gain credit from our lives even after giving us free will. But then consider something. If you are following the Christian analogy of creation, we find that free will in the context of decision-making is not an original creation of God. It is in fact the product of man's misuse of God's provision, which is why I believe that this entire construct of society and the earth as we know it is failing because we are not operating in the original design of what God had created in the first place. We are basically existing in a misuse of God's product. And this is why we have lots of problems like societal issues, political issues, climate change, and all of this because God created the product. And unfortunately, a lot of us have decided to ignore him and operate this product as we like. So I think now that we've talked about glory, we can then try to answer these pivotal questions. First of all, the reason we have bad things happen is because people refuse to give God the glory. And remember, there's two perspectives to this. One, they refuse to use the product according to design. And secondly, they refuse to acknowledge that there is a God and he is worthy to be acknowledged in the way we live our lives and use the earth that he gave us. Secondly, humans can decide how their lives will go, even if they are really bad at it. So in essence, we can keep glory for ourselves. In fact, the Bible says when we try to share glory with God, God will in fact leave the glory for us. Like he wouldn't take any part in it, right? So there is that real possibility of us to say, you know what, I want to use the product the way I want to. And after I do that, I want to get the credit for that, right? Many scientists have done this, but is that really great? I mean, think of everything that a human being has produced. It always comes with a flaw. And that is to say that we are not great at designing anything. In fact, the mere fact that nothing we create comes originally from us, everything is taken from the earth in one way or the other, shows that we are not creators in ourselves. We have, we cannot be sourced to anything that is going to last. And even at that, our designs are so poor. There's always a flaw and this is really dangerous. And then finally, Whenever we take credit for these things, it weighs so heavily on our mental health. Some of the people that have suffered the most, mentally speaking, are some of the best minds. And I remember listening to this speaker at a TED Talk say quite succinctly that our mental structure cannot handle praise and glory. This is why in ancient times, they would always acknowledge God. The fact that every culture on earth without any communication always acknowledge God proves that we understand that our humanity cannot bear the weight of glory. The difference with us as Christians is that we acknowledge this fact, we live by it, and then we know that God is worthy of glory. Hence the statement, yours is the glory. So look at this fascinating scripture with me in the book of Isaiah chapter 46, From verse 8 to 13, it says, Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God. And there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bed of prey from the east. 
a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I will do and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far from doing right, for I am ready to set things right. Not in the distant future, but right now. I am ready to save Jerusalem and show my glory to Israel. Obviously, you can tell that this is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. But if you look at the 13th verse, the last line, it says, and show my glory to Israel. And everything before that, you can see that God is saying, I will do this. I have designed this. I have made this. And it will come to pass because he is the designer. He is the one that makes things happen because he can. He has the power to do it. If you were to look at this world, you can tell that God is really good at designs. I mean, think of this example. Each winter, there are about one septillion, that's a trillion, trillion snow crystals that drop from the sky. But as amazing as that sounds, to think of the fact that every snowflake has a unique design is just mind-blowing. There is now us as humans. The complexity of the human body is still being studied today and what we found is already mind-blowing. However, think with me, there are currently 7 billion people alive in the world today and it is estimated that over 107 billion people have existed already over time. But yet, you are a unique design. Your thumbprint have never existed and after you, it will never exist. That is phenomenal. That is beyond what I think a human mind can handle or create. God is obviously great at designing. And I honestly think that he should get credit for his work. But the truth is that can only happen when we let things play out the way that he designed it to go. Now about the question of, okay, if we have free will, how then can we say that God knows the end from the beginning? And that's quite simple. He knows the end from the beginning because God designed systems, not stories. So if you think about a story, there's a definite end. But a system works in such a way that it depends on the input you make. So God knows where you're going to end up depending on where you decide to start. God is not going to make you do anything. However, whatever you decide to do, because he created this entire world system as exemplified in that scripture I read, he knows exactly where you're going to end up. Interestingly, he calls to us and says, let me have the glory. Walk by my design. And in doing that, you're going to experience the best of life. I know it sounds like I'm trying to make a point for Christianity. But above that, I want you to realize something. We have to accept our humanity and surrender to God's divinity if we want to see a radical change in society today. Because our feelings are not going to disappear magically. Our perspective on truth is extremely limited. Even though our ability is growing over time, it is still massively limited. However, when you consider God's divinity, when you consider that God has been God all through the years, and then attached to that the fact that his love makes him available to us, I'm willing to put out an argument that letting God have the glory in our lives is worth a try. Now, you might not agree with me, but I dare you to at least give it a thought. A really good, honest thought. Because I'm confident that it is very possible that you would agree with me that all glory belongs to God, as it always should be. Now, I'm grateful that you listened to the podcast up to this point. And I know I may possibly have raised a lot of questions in your heart. I'm willing to have a conversation. So 
do well to communicate with me on my social media handles or drop a comment. That would be great. If you're listening to this on Spotify, I welcome you to answer the polls and also to give this podcast a rating. I really appreciate that. And yeah, if you want to contact me, do well to follow any of my social media links as stated below and I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. As always, my name is Gotile Zonyeka and this has been the Now Thing Podcast. Thank you.